Welcome to another episode of the Dream Nation podcast. I'm your host, Delia, and today on the show, I interview Hawk Newsom, who is the president of Black Lives Matter of Greater New York. He's an activist, and he's on the forefront of the new civil rights movement that's happening right now. This podcast is fascinating. Most recently, Hawk has created a controversy by speaking at a Trump rally, which resulted in mixed reactions from both sides, both from Black Lives Matter and also Trump supporters. And on this episode, we talk a lot about love and dreams, and um, it's a really, really fascinating podcast. I'd love for you to share it with friends and uh, really spread the message of love because that's what we end up talking a lot about on the show and um, a lot of people don't know that Hawk has a passion for law. He attended the prestigious Howard University Law School in DC and he completed his Juris Doctorate at Toro Law School in Long Island, New York and uh, he's been involved throughout his life in protests and activities to combat injustice and he's worked tirelessly leading protests and seeking justice for the families of those slain by police officers. Let's get into the interview and um, enjoy the show. Hi, thank you for being on the show. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's really hot out today. It's like 92 degrees. I know. Yeah, it's bad. Yesterday was the uh, West Indian Day Parade, the yes. Labor Day Parade. Oh my God. So hot. It was brutal. It was fun, but it was brutal <laughs> out there. <laughs> thank you for coming in. So my podcast uh, starts with the same question to all my guests, which is, what was your dream as a kid? Mm, uh, NBA. I used to know the starting five, like top five players on every team in the NBA. And I used to play against all of them in my bedroom. I had a hoop up and I was always the Knicks. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the rest of the guys on the Knicks. And we'd be playing against all these other teams. And uh, that was my dream. And, and and there was always this underlying dream of being a lawyer at some point. So basketball, NBA, and being a lawyer. So how did that kind of lead you into activism and the work that you're doing today? Uh, wow, really interesting question. So after basketball ended, you know, I was I was a decent athlete. If I was focused, I could have went a lot further. But um, I always loved the competitiveness of being on a court, going against your adversaries, finding ways to win. And I always loved the law and, and speaking to people, like litigating. You know, you see the trial lawyers on L.A. Law, Law and & Order, and you want to be that. So um, after basketball, I, I, I thought that, this, that becoming a lawyer would be a perfect way to um, – pursue, you know, to, to live out that, that dream, to still be able to, to, to fight against injustice, as well as that competitive spirit, kind of feed, nourish that competitive spirit. So, um, yeah, I started taking steps to go to law school after college. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I guess going from that, right, mm -hmm. to your recent agape march, right? So Agape. Agape. It's a Greek word, yeah. What does it mean? <laughs> it's love. It's like the love. sacrificial love that Dr. King talked about. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I'm no Dr. King, though. I really w I don't understand how he had the patience because I get angry sometimes. Do you meditate? I meditate a lot. <laughs> I meditate a lot, at least daily, you know, on my own. Yeah. Um, I, then I do broga, which is a few poses and broga? some dumbbells. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Right on. And, um, but yeah, but you just get so frustrated, you know. know, with the closed mindedness and the willful ignorance of people. Mm -hmm. so. I, I have a little mantra and I've been practicing it whenever things get really frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I go, I love you. 
I want you to be happy. So whenever I'm really frustrated and then somebody like, I have a really tense situation and obviously like the communication is not working, mm -hmm. I repeat to myself, I love you and I want you to be happy. Can I challenge you on that? Yes, you right? can. What if one person's happiness means sadness or the oppression of others? Do you still want that person to be happy? That's what I've been fighting with. Yeah. So I've been fighting with what if your happiness comes at the expense of others? Mm -hmm. I think you just walk away. I think you walk away and you create your own happiness. Right on. Because if your happiness is a my oppression, mm -hmm. I can't participate in that. Amen. So, but also again i don't think that's the final solution too i've been really really thinking about it and i'm like i know there has to be a better way and i just haven't figured it out mm -hmm. i know there's a way for both people to be happy but i have not figured out what that is what i'm envisioning now is with the agape march right with mm -hmm. the agape love is i have to work with people like you who have love in their hearts and put my energy into them there are people out here who are genuinely hateful Mm -hmm. who say hateful things, who, who have this, this hateful view of the world, and they don't want to change. And, and they you create can, fake accounts online, and oh then God, they like hide behind them and they troll. There's so many, I have so many trolls. I must have blocked at least 100 in the last week. So now instead of arguing with the troll, I just click block, and I feel so good when I blocked them. It's like, I got you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I totally interrupted, because yeah. you just, you just, you know, you led it to something. Yeah. Um, I think where I was going was putting the energy into the people that want to work with you, the people who have open hearts and open minds, and actually the people who are in need, helping them. And, and working with the folks who need the help, who are willing and open to working together, and then kind of coming back to those folks later. Hopefully they'll get it by then, or you'll be stronger, you know. Well, you know what? Approach. I wonder if we can, like, make love a virus, hmm. right? If you start spreading it around, then like, it has to combat it. I don't know, like, I'm like, how can you make love freaking infectious to the point where like, it disseminates, it becomes a vaccine to hate. It has to become cool. It has to become cool. And until the cool people, our athletes, um, our celebrities, uh, until the, the, the those people start making love the way to go, it won't happen. Um, right now, what our world embraces is this strength, mm -hmm. this asshole-ish strength, right? Oh, he's badass. Look at the movies we watch, the, the tough guy hero who's very sarcastic, or look at the president of the United States of America. Um, look at the people we put on pedestals. They're usually jerkish. Men and women, right? It's the positions of power, their typical role of, like, daddy figures. Yeah, and, and you know, you get it in women, too. Right? You get it in women, yeah. You get, women you get are it in mean, a lot. too. Sometimes, you know, I, I deal a lot in politics, and a lot of times you're like, I have to play their game if I want to win. And this is something that pains me, that keeps me up at night, because I don't want to play their game. But sometimes you have to make small concessions in pursuit of progress, in pursuit of happiness. 
And Some, that's tough. Sometimes they also say you have to wear the pearls. Like if you're going to come in, you got to put the pearls on. Mm-hmm. What does you that know? mean? Like, you know, you got to wear the outfit mm-hmm. because that's what they respond to. But you can get a message in if you're like, I'm a punk rock kid. Right? Yeah. So I started out re- listening to like punk rock and hip hop. Okay. But then you're not taken seriously because people just don't believe in that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, I guess I have to dress up and I have to like change my image a little mm-hmm. bit. But if I change my image a little bit, maybe I'll maybe something will land. I'm still the same person yeah. inside. And the people who know it, they know who you are. They get it. God bless his soul. My you dad know? used to be like, I'm not a practicing attorney. Went to law school. Right? My dad used to be like, pull your pants up. Lawyers don't wear their pants like that. This one does. This one does. Yeah. So I dress like this. There's like these dinners and, you know, a couple hundred bucks a plate. And I show up in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. I wear my jeans. I'm always in boots black sneakers and um i just don't care and people underestimate me they underestimate my intellect i'm a six foot five 260 pound black man right who looks a little rough intimidating so they don't expect me to be the intellectual that i am right and um i kind of play it up like look my tooth's missing right it fell out i was at this dinner in australia i was in bondi maybe a month and a half ago and there were like these authors and these really awesome writers and like all of these powerful people. And I was sitting down and the tooth was already broke from for years. And I bit down. I said, oh, shit, my tooth. And I was taking questions from four different people. So I just tucked my tooth up here and kept going. <laughs> and then it was like my family's like, but you have insurance. Why don't you go and get your tooth? Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, I don't know. Like it, it'll, it'll, to get the teeth that I want, it'll be a couple grand, but I could definitely get something now, temporary, but I just don't care. It doesn't matter, right? I don't give a shit and I will, but I, I just really don't care. But that's like, that's a whole entire thing with society. That's like a whole entire another conversation, which is like Instagram culture. And like, why don't we just like exist and be happy with yeah. like just being happy and letting other people be happy? Yeah. Go for it. Let people live their lives. Let people live their lives. And if you see people who is in the pursuit of happiness and you can do something to help, then you should do something to help. And that will make them, I think that will make people a lot happier when they help each other. Absolutely. Because when you start helping people, it's contagious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, so I'm sorry, I, I kind of also ran away from um, the questions a little bit. I'm I, all I, over the place. I'm all over the place. And, and I'll take you there. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah. I'll run. Okay. I will right. run. <laughs> Take me there. So um, you recently walked the Agape March, mm-hmm. right? And um, can you share your journey with the listeners on okay. the march? The quick and dirty. Last year we were in Charlottesville and we stood toe-to-toe against the alt-right and the KKK. These people had guns, sticks, knives, shields. They were throwing rocks at us. It was ugly. You were fighting for your lives. The police positioned themselves two blocks away and kind of let everyone fight. It was literally like a race riot. And um, we came to the conclusion that that wouldn't be the prudent course of action this year because nothing was achieved in the last 365 days. So we had the Agape March. We marched eight days from New York to Washington, D.C. We stopped off in Philadelphia, Baltimore, Newark, and a few other places along the way and gave out healthy food and told people what food injustice is. It's like, you know what, 
uh, Coke and Pepsi are poisoning you, and they're spending millions of dollars to poison you. I was watching a Coke commercial last night late, and they were like, hummus? Hum what? Please get out of here. And um, there was also something else. A kid was at a barbecue, and he said, I want a turkey burger. And the father was like, turkey? That's for Thanksgiving. These people are literally telling you not to eat things that are good for you. And uh, we gave out good food, message of love, message of peace, message of um, accountability in our communities, fixing our communities, teaching people about financial literacy. In Baltimore, we gave away uh, free job trainings for solar panel installation. These people will come out making $60,000 in a year in a place where you could get a three-bedroom apartment for $800. It's like, they're like wealthy in a way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? With like 60000 away. It's 60000 a year. And we, we were handing out these applications. We were doing good. And we got to D.C. Um, we did not have a big crowd. Most of the people went in front of the White House for a direct confrontation with the, um, with the alt-right. But um, that wasn't ideal. Ideal is to build from a place of love. Not soft love. I'm not running around kissing white supremacists behind like, oh, please listen to me. No, I'm talking to the people who have love in their hearts that wants this. They want this country truly to be great and a place that's inclusive for everyone. So that was the copy march. It was successful. It was fun. Um, we slept at Thurgood Marshall's granddaughter's house wow. the night before the march, which was awesome. She told family stories. It was cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you going to do one again next year? Every year. Yeah. Let's organize like a lot of people for it. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. it'll be like spiritual. A spiritual yeah. march. Yeah. Like people go to Burning Man right now and they spend thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to just like be out in the wilderness. Why not go march with a bunch of people and make some friends? To end hate and racism. And uh maybe you start working on it. Yeah. And promoting it early. Right and on. like Get, get some, everybody on get board. Get everybody yeah. on there. Yeah. You have different people joining you in different stops and different cities coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get like special. people involved. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. So you're the president of Black Lives Matter in New York. Yes. And that title has not been without controversy, right? Because you ended up at the Trump rally speaking last year. And I saw a quote um, of you saying, if we really want to make America great, we do it together. Mm-hmm. And then I guess that kind of created a little bit of tension within Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Um, so what is that story for a lot of listeners who are, might not be familiar? What people don't understand is the dynamic of Black Lives Matter global. Mm-hmm. That's about 35, organiz- 35 chapters across the country. There are 400 other groups that are not affiliated with them. The movement is huge. We're part of the movement. We are not and never claimed to be an official chapter of Black Lives Matter. But because of the work we do, because we're always in the projects, because we're always putting pressure on politicians, calling for accountability, we get an enormous amount of news coverage. And um, we're recognized. So after we went on stage and spoke, we were protesting, we spoke to Trump supporters from a place of love. Um, they had a problem with that. And I know why. Because many of these people hate us. Many of these people have a disdain for us. They don't want to hear anything that we have to say unless it's making them happy. So they're like, Hawk, if you're for us, how could you speak to them? Maybe I'm not speaking to those people, but there are others who are around that supported Donald Trump 
that have a place for love in their heart. The same people who voted for Barack Obama, which I know several, and then went and voted for Donald Trump. We're talking to those people and trying to get them on board with the message of love. So Black Lives Matter denounced me, um, said I wasn't in line with their core principles, but um, I built Black Lives Matter up. Here in New York, me, another young woman, 16, 17, a few other really great people, Mario, a Latino, another educator named Tim, we built this into an organization that politicians fear and also need. We were the first group in New York City to endorse Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? This young woman who made history, we were the first group in New York to sit down with her and say, you're the real deal. We got your back. We do real work. And um, what they say is we have a problem with Hawk. We don't have a problem with the work. So wait, here's this man making progress. This young, this young woman doing great things. And you, for the people, you have a problem with them. Your problem, psh, <laughs> I'm beyond it. But like I said, we built this up and there's no way we're walking away from it. Well, you know what I also realized? I also a lot of, I also realized that a lot of people, especially Trump supporters, don't really know what Black Lives Matter means. They just see it and they go, oh, it doesn't sound like it includes me. I'm scared. Right? So half of it is like just explaining to people. I'm sure half of it is just like, this is what we do. Sister, these people don't want to know what Black Lives Matter means. They don't want to understand that all lives will matter when black lives matter. No matter how many times you say it, there are people that don't want black people to have rights. Understand that, let it sink in. The same people now who go against us would have been throwing rocks at Dr. King. But they say, hey, we're not them. We're not like these people in the past. Well, if history is repeating itself, then what side of history are you on? It is. It is repeating itself, isn't it? Yes. It looks like the 60s all over again. People yes. are marching and there are protests everywhere. What side of history are, are, are these people on? And they say, oh, Hawk, you're a racist. I don't hate white people. If I was racist, I wouldn't be sitting here in your face. Like, I don't hate white people. But what I do have a disdain for are racist white people. And I also have a hard time accepting these, I hate the term, but like good white people who won't do anything to stop this oppression. That's what I have a problem with. Like, there's nothing strong in America than white woman's tears. <laughs> it's nothing. It's nothing. Like, so it's one thing to show up for a march, right? right. But it's another thing to say, hey, politicians, women carry the vote. If you want our vote, then you need to do this on police reform. You need to do. You need these programs: financial literacy, uh, meditation in the ghetto. You need to do this. Uh, even the d- Democrats, like, if policing is an issue, why haven't Democrats put together uh, comprehensive legislation across the country that mm-hmm. addresses police brutality? However, these same Democrats voted for a Blue Lives Matter bill. We're being deceived. We're being conned. Like you know how. Uh, calling people look for a mark or mm-hmm. someone to play their trick on. Like, right. That's us. And it's not just black black people. It's other white people. Like, 
we don't understand how these people are deceiving us until folks like myself and other activists out here, people like you who give us a platform, actually point it out. Like, check this out, America. This is happening. It's right? happening and people are not realizing it. You know, I lived in New York for the last 14 years, 15 years, mm -hmm. and I've never seen random acts of um, racism. Mm -hmm. I've been very lucky, but the other day I was, a few months ago, I was just sitting on the train, there was an Asian girl sitting next to me just crying. And I was like, okay, I'll let her cry. She probably had a bad day, you know? Like, you're not an official New Yorker until you cry on the train. Mm -hmm. you know, like, that I happens, have, yeah. you know? <laughs> and finally, you know, I was just like, oh, she looks rough. And I was like, hey, are you okay? And she's like, I'm not. I was at a bar in Midtown, and there were a bunch of guys, and they just started calling me, like, Asian terms. And, like, they ran me out of the bar. She's like, I don't know what the hell that was. She's like, I was just hanging out. I was waiting for some friends. And she's like, and I'm, I'm in shock. And I'm headed home. And I was like, that's rough. And then I also broke up a fist fight on the train. Wow. So that was that was an early morning shocker at eight o'clock in the morning. I was going to work early. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was like eight o'clock in the morning. And there was a tall guy, African American. He's dressed to go to work. He's got his backpack on. And then there is a foreign guy who's white, very masculine. And um, somehow, you know, somebody it's early morning, it's hot, somebody brushed somebody. And they started to get really tense and they started to like kind of go at each other. And they're like, I just walked in and like literally fists were like this and the doors open and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. You know, it's racially charged. The guy's like, hey, hey. And I just like came in there and I was like, oh, fuck, what do I do? Yeah. And I just came in and I put both of my hands on them and I was like, hey guys, isn't it hot today? Yeah. It's so hot. Let's take it down. Tomorrow's like 4th of July. Let's just like, chill. let's chill. Yeah. And I was like, I know you're angry. Like, I know there's not enough space. And I know everybody's so irritated, but there's no need to punch each other because tomorrow's 4th of July and you're mm -hmm. going to go to a picnic with your family and your family and you guys are both going to be fucked up. Right and it's not worth it. And the energy came down. And I was terrified because I was not ready to walk into that situation. Mm -hmm. And I could see that it was also like racially charged. Yeah. And I was like, this is bullshit. Yeah. And I was like, as a random person, it is my responsibility to spread love, right? Mm -hmm. So like, let's, let me just like shove my body in here. Yeah. And just diffuse it. That's it. People don't get it. Though. And I came into work and I was running around. And I was telling people, I was like, you guys, I just broke up a fight. And everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I know what I did. Helped people a little bit. It was the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think everybody should do that. We'd be in such a better place if people just did follow your lead or, you know what I mean? Just just did the right thing. You did the right thing. It's do the right thing, right? Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Pedagogy. Yes. It's like, yeah. but you know, which brings me to my next question, which is how do we teach people how to love and how to take action to like bring everybody together? Well, my sister, I don't have the answer. I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to point out injustice. The best example that I can give you or, or philosophy on this is mm -hmm. be the change that you want to see in the world. Was that Gandhi or MLK? Um, I'm not sure. I don't remember, but it's a good quote. Um, but yeah, that's it. You just have to express love. You, you have to be patient. I have a 15-year-old nonverbal autistic son, and he's trapped in his body, and he mm -hmm. gets irate, but I'm just super patient. 
So unfortunately, like when I deal with some people who engage me, I treat them like my 15-year-old autistic son. I explain to them. I correct them when they're wrong. And I'm just extremely patient. And um, sometimes I'm not that, right? So these past few weeks I've been on Twitter and I've just been... (laughs) tearing into people and it's 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 not cool but I give myself a little leeway because I understand like sometimes you just get frustrated with trying to explain things to people who don't want to understand who claim that they have open minds and open hearts but are really protecting some uh, political ideal that's more important than humanity to them like down in Florida, um, Governor DeSantis in a roundabout way called Gillum, the African-American candidate for governor, um, a monkey. He told people not to monkey up this election. And I pointed it out. And people were like, oh, no, that wasn't offensive. Black people have been called monkeys and apes for centuries. This is offensive. Uh, DeSantis went to Yale, Harvard. He knows better. Political... Politicians are wordsmiths. They know the power of these words. Words have power. That's it. And he said it intentionally. And people are defending it. You don't care about how black people feel. You don't care about humanity. You care about a Republican being the governor of Florida. And it's my duty to point out your hypocrisy. And if me pointing out hypocrisy is not operating in love, then so be it. I haven't grown to that level yet. Maybe I'll meditate a little more, do some more broker, and um, get to that place and read, read more, and I'll get to that place. But right now, I, I got to call a spade a spade, no pun intended. You have to. I think that's the only way we can call it out. Like, you know, if there's a way to just go shame. Mm-hmm. Shame. 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 Yeah. Shame. How dare you? Absolutely. How dare you? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. until people realize how shameful it is. Mm-hmm. To not live in love, then we have no hope for society. At all. At all. Where do we go? What I'm trying to do is take people by their hand and just bring them on this path with me, on this path toward justice, toward righteousness, toward that that promise that whoever your deity is made. That's where I'm trying to bring people into and I'm just trying to find the right message to get them there guess what um I'm not expecting everybody in Black Lives Matter to agree with me I'm not expecting everybody mainstream America or the conservatives to agree with me Jesus wasn't a very popular guy Martin Luther King was not a popular guy I am trying to walk their path but I'm nowhere near who they are but this is it so I'm trying to bring people on this road with me Right? And, and educate them. People say, well, what are the facts on this? Find out. Go read it. It's but people not. are getting wrong facts. That's oh, the God. problem. It's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can go on about that forever. Yeah, but um, I actually want to talk a little bit about food, and then I have one more question, and it's 3.07, and I want to try to wrap it up a little bit sooner. Okay. So um, you do a lot of work handing out food and educating mm-hmm. people about nutrition, which is so awesome. And uh, there are so many food deserts in America. It Like everywhere you go across America, even in New York, tons, tons, right? So I live in one. You, you live in one? Yeah. You live in where? The Bronx. 
The Bronx. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I know that I was doing a little bit of research and you talked about taking strategy and energy, right? Mm -hmm. You were talking about strategy and energy. If I was a store, I would just, like if I was Trader Joe's, I'm like, oh, food desert, awesome. I'm coming in here and I'm setting up a little smaller shop. It's not necessarily like a mega scale Trader Joe's mm -hmm. that's going to be in Union Square, but like pop-up. I yeah. would just think it's a really great business idea because you have lots of people who want to have food who don't have access to it. So Absolutely. that's like target audience right there. People are hungry and they're mm -hmm. looking for nutritious food. What's preventing businesses from doing that? Uh, supply and demand. There might not be a demand for it. Like we've been conditioned, like I told you about the commercial, to eat unhealthy foods. Mm -hmm. right? Like um, it's cultural, partially. But the other part of it is these companies like these McDonald's and these beverage companies, fast food beverage companies, are literally tweaking chemicals in their food to make people addicted. And then they're turning around and calling those same people uh, fat and telling people lies like this is part of a healthy, balanced diet. They're not mm -hmm. saying like this is all the bad that you should be putting into that diet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not saying that it's it's terrible. So our vision is to um you're actually building it now, address these needs and bring healthy food into the communities, into the projects of the South Bronx and uh feed people, start breakfast programs like the Black Panthers did. Yeah, I don't know did. a lot yeah. yeah, like a lot of people don't realize that the breakfast program that we see in schools now was started by the Black Panther. The federal government was like, oh, wow, good idea, and implemented it on a national scale. But they don't talk about that when they talk mm -hmm. about the Black Panthers. They talk about guns and radical revolutionaries, and they were big on food. So um, They would get up before all their work, two hours earlier. They would serve 20,000 meals to kids. That's it. And nobody ever talks about that. That's it. That's it. And this is where we're going, um, not as Black Lives Matter New York, but as rejuvenation, rejuve a nation. That's my spinoff. This is where I'm going next. And I have a wonderful group of people that I'm going in that direction with. And it's focused on healing. Yes, we'll still stand up for civil rights. We'll still be Black Lives Matter New York. But um, right now it's time to heal our people. Everybody's everybody's fighting for people. You have no idea how many activists are actually fighting for people that they don't know anything about, that they're uncomfortable around. Like I grew up with killers, killers, straight killers, drug dealers, like dangerous people. These are people I grew up with. You know, they're old now. You know, some went to jail, now own businesses, got a couple of cars, white picket fence, suburbs somewhere, you know, down south or something. But... This is what I grew up in. When I step out of my house, like, it's real. There are gangs. There are, you know, people doing whatever. But I see the good in those people. This is their community. This is their socioeconomic status. And that has a direct bearing on their opportunities and their life choices. So I see good people. And um, these are the people that I want to help because they're my people. And um, like I said, to touch back, a lot of these activists live very cushy lives and don't come in contact with these people unless they're victimized and they're like, oh, I'm here to help you. Fuck out of here. <laughs> like, the fuck out of here. Like, you don't know us, you, but you speak for us. It's a 
joke. There are people running around who've been activists for 20, 30 years and can't put a finger on their impact on a community. The other day I was going in Battery City going to see one of my friends and I'm crossing the street. Somebody's like, what's up, coach? The crossing guard, the traffic cop. What's up, coach? Coach. I'm like, oh, wow. How are you? Oh, I'm good. Went to college. Got a job. I'm trying. Thank you for helping me. There's over 100 kids. There's over a couple hundred kids out there that I can walk past in the street that I impacted their lives before Black Lives Matter. Right? Because you're just you're just going on an extension of you because you've been doing it forever. It's That's like it. a fish is swimming. This is what you do. That's it. That's it. I'm you teach. You light people up. Amen. Inspire. I just, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today without a few people, right? A handful mm -hmm. of people. Mm -hmm. Like two of those people were Jewish men, mm -hmm. right? First time I left the country, my basketball coach, Jewish lawyer, he took me. Nobody would let me in law school because I had six arrests and a 2.6 GPA. And a Jewish man called his friend who owns, you know, the Toro, mm -hmm. University Toro College, which is very Jewish. And that's how I was allowed in the law school. I, how could I hate white people? I could call out the bullshit, right, and say, hey, this is wrong. This is what people mm -hmm. need to change, right? You, with your voice, with your privilege, with your power, you should be able to say something in this situation. But hate all white people? No, nah, that would make me like the Klan. That right? would, I would be becoming a the enemy of black supremacists. Right? You, know? you can't let the hate consume you. No, but at the same time, I want to see black people build things for themselves, just yeah. like anyone else would, right? It's being proud of your people as long as you're not oppressing other people. Right? So that brings me to my final question, which is, what is your dream as an adult, which is a nice segue? To end systemic racism. As a servant, of God, like people ask me, what am I? Yeah, I might be a little revolutionary. I might be a good speech giver, a great organizer, but not organized. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a father, I'm a husband, but at my core, I'm a servant. I serve God, I serve humanity. That's my job. I serve people with my skills and my abilities. And there are institutions, the government, there are corporations, there are educational institutions that keep black people downtrodden intentionally. Well, we have a whole entire prison system booming right now that I'm not even going to get into this talk. That's it, right? Which is, it's unlike anything else in any other country. But there are people who will argue with me and say there's no such thing as institutional racism. You know, so um, this is this is what this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to tear that down by any means necessary. Well, God is love too, right? Amen. Like I don't care what religion you are; it doesn't matter. But at the end, it's just love. Yeah, it is. And you know what's so love. funny? It's love, right? And I understand. Like I'm a peaceful protester, right? I'm at peace. But sometimes love requires you to be strong. Mm -hmm. If you and I are out there protesting. And somebody comes to attack you, attack you, I'm going to hurt them, period. But that's love, mm -hmm. isn't it? Protecting people you care about. You have to isn't protect people. 
Yeah. It's it's uh it gets so complicated, right? It's like in a perfect world there wouldn't be any aggression and everybody would just like figure it out over like a chess match or mm-hmm. like finger wrestling. Yeah. It's like but we we're not there yet. I I think there'll always be aggression. You just have to channel it like a better woman. Like was a piece of shit, like angry alcoholic and coming out of that i'm about i'll be three years sober soon congrats that's huge thank you it's a blessing right but coming out of that it was like where do you focus this fire that you have inside of you are you gonna let this pain and these, these these substances make you a monster or you're gonna take that pain, transition it, transition it into something very powerful, which is that love you have for your people that causes you that pain when you see them oppressed. Take that and channel it in a positive direction to get change. All right. So I wouldn't say that all of that energy is going from my body. A lot of the hatred is, right? But I take that and I put it into something positive. And people are like, wow, you give a pretty passionate speech. Yeah, yeah, because I know like there's this fire inside of me. And, and, and right now I target it at bullies. Like you look at it, these systems are oppressed. They're just bullying a little guy. If we stripped away racism, we'd be talking about classism. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you know, I was watching. I don't know if you watch Rick and Morty. Do you watch Mm-mm. Rick and Morty? It's, I don't watch my TV. It's like it's a cartoon, but they had this thing where they were on a planet, and this guy rips off his shirt, and he's like, "I am the triangle nipple people, and we're gonna face war on the circle nipple people." You know yeah. that it always comes down to picking on like the randomest thing to separate you one from the other, even yeah. though everybody is the same. Yeah, that's it. But it's like we're all one. Amen. Amen. We're here on a little Amen. like rock for hurling through space. Like, can we just realize the like insanity of gravity <laughs> and like the fact that we actually made it here mm-hmm. and that like the ozone layer still holds up and we have oxygen and we don't have dinosaurs eating us. <laughs> like the whole thing is so absurd. So the fact that we have like nations and wars and people fighting, it's silly. No, but the thing is, right, the people who don't think like we think are aggressive. And they're very organized. And our people, the good people, we aren't as aggressive. So we get pushed around by them. That's, That's true. That's why we have to stand strong together. Because even if we if we unified, and it, it, it's not total unity, but if we just got enough people, we would outnumber them and outmaneuver them and really build a society that we want. We got to make them the minority. They're, they are the minority, but... They hold the power of the majority because we're not stopping them. It's also financial power, right? Amen. Power, uh, money is energy. That's it. So, like, if you don't have money, you don't have energy, and you wow. can't build. Wow, I like that. I'm gonna right? quote you on that. So, so it's about that. building your own systems that you think are good and the ones that help people, and they just don't make people feel shitty and they're inclusive. Mm-hmm. So, thank you so much. Thank you for, for being me. on the show. I really appreciate it. Right on. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation Podcast, it's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach 
people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love, share it with your friends, have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.